All right. Thank you, Kelly. Does sound like I'm a long ways from the microphone? I am. Forgot to get all my ad copy. Forgot to get my my phone number sheet and everything. So maybe the most tenured, but I also have been doing about a hundred million things this week. So good morning and welcome. It's a, a beautiful first part of the weekend. I don't know where any weather change is right now, whether it's coming from the south or the north. We're expecting in the Dallas-Fort Worth area a change overnight tonight. So it may uh, may impact you. I already have. Soon will. I don't know. But let's talk gardening. Let's talk about the gardening at your place. I am here to talk about landscapes, lawns, anything that has to do with urban horticulture. That's my specialty, and I love doing it. I've had the, the blessing all of my career of talking about my favorite hobby. How good is that? Everybody would wish that for your child. Uh, just encourage them to find something they really like, and then it won't be a job. It'll be, it'll be fun, and uh, I've had that blessing all of my life. I've been involved with... Uh, a lot of educational things lately and and I see teachers who love to teach and they say you know what I could make more money doing something else I love to teach I want to be in the classroom I think my square uh, chair is squeaking a little bit and uh, I had a, a teacher when I was in high school who taught math and he was the best there was in teaching math and one year he was after I left he was promoted to be principal and after one year as principal he said I love teaching math. And he went right back into the classroom. He said, I think I'd rather do that than be in this administrative capacity. And I can imagine, I can understand that. So anyway, do what you really enjoy for a living and you won't have to work a day in your life. That's uh, that's a good philosophy. I've heard that as a, as a standard. So give us a call. Let's talk gardening anyway, whether that's your hobby or your vocation. 888 888- Two five six ten eighty for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, eight 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 two five six ten eighty, and uh, that's toll free anywhere you can hear me. We broadcast to Amarillo and Corpus Christi all in the same time period. It's uh, beginning to become a little easier to do that because I don't think they're going to get nine inch snows in Corpus Christi, and I'm sorry in Amarillo, and I don't think it's. Uh, likely to be a hurricane season in Corpus Christi yet. So those two cities are going to have somewhat the same conditions, somewhat, somewhat. And uh, Alpine to Crockett, yeah, they're not going to be the same, but I love my state. It just keeps me on uh, on my toes to think about uh, what you're encountering when you go out into your landscape when you ask me your question. And that's what I hope you'll do. So we have an hour to do that. 888-256-1080. The Texas Lawn and Garden Hour here in the middle toward the end of April. What do you need to get done now before it begins to turn really hot? It's already pretty warm in South Texas. What do you need to get done? Well, we can talk about that and outline some things that are most critical for you. And we'll do that in just a moment. Let's get a break out of the way so we can take your calls and talk about things. Uh, one more time, that phone number. Let's fill up the phone lines. Jared Taylor, by the way, giving credit where it is really due. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones and doing anything else it takes to keep me going. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, pointing out, uh, uh, Neil, you have a call waiting or whatever it is. Uh, he is uh, in the other studio. 888 256 1080. Call right now, won't you please? 
Niels Perry's Lone Star Gardening is my book, and uh, it is the book I have always wanted to be able to hand to you and say, this is the best work of my career, and I truly believe that it is. It is so much better than the old cowboy boot book that I did with a publisher. Publisher was nice. They were great people, and the people I worked with were kind, but they were charged with the responsibility of cutting costs wherever they went, and they had to go back and, and serve stockholders and and uh, higher ups in the company and and in my case i i was left i was the lower down in the company the lowest down and uh, that meant that i had to accept what they dictated i thought you know this is not quite the book i had in mind it was a hardback it was okay but i wanted one that had plenty of illustrations plenty of photographs all the information that i felt people needed to have to be successful in gardening in texas this is after all a wonderful state my chosen state where i was born and it also is after all the best hobby in all of the world neil spray's lone star gardening has 11 chapters i begin in chapter one with the basics things you have to know to be successful in gardening and chapter two is a calendar, a sequence, a roadmap, a, a, a kind of a lesson plan of what you do month by month, uh, what you do in January, and then what you have to do in February. It gives you four pages per month of what must be done in each of those months to keep you right on track all the way through the gardening year. And so that's 48 pages. Chapters three through 11 are extremely detailed chapters on these topics, trees, shrubs, Vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns. Does that kind of tell you the building blocks of a landscape? And then fruit and vegetables. An entire chapter on each of those topics. 11 chapters in all, 840 of my photographs and 344 pages of high-quality paper in a paper in a, in a hardback book and printed right here in Texas by Lone Star. Oh, I'll be all right by Clear Visions Press and uh, done in uh, uh, San Antonio at Universal Book Bindery. It's Lone Star Gardening. It's only $36.95. I have a special sale going on for a little bit longer. I decided to put it on sale this spring to help everybody in these tough economic times and after all the winter stuff. I want you to have a little extra money uh, to invest back into your landscape. So it's uh, $36.85, satisfaction guaranteed. You'll be getting a signed copy. The book is not in stores and it's not on Amazon. They're in my garage, waiting to be signed tonight and tomorrow night. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, satisfaction guaranteed or a full refund. 78,000 copies sold to date, not one request for a refund. I think you'll like it. Here are the two ways you can order it. One you can do right now. That's by ordering at my website, neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. The other way you can do during the week, if you just don't order things online, you can order it from uh, my office by calling 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769. But the better way is at neilsperry.com. When people think of Mueller, they think of quality steel buildings, and they think of durable metal roofing. But that name Mueller means so much more for you. It means that you'll have a product that's manufactured by Mueller, including in-house engineers, to help design the building of your dreams. It also means you'll have a company in business for 90 years 
standing behind your warranty. And it also means that you'll get tons of added value like roofing site visits, forklift delivery, and a Mueller Assurance team that's ready to help you along the way. And Mueller is on the cutting edge. They've been designing and manufacturing new products like their greenhouses and standing seam roofing panels. If you'd like to find out more about Mueller products, go to MuellerInc.com. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER, 877-268-3553, or stop by one of their 33 locations. Mueller means more. Mueller means value. Mueller, Inc. Dot com. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you a lot very much. And we go to our first call today. We have one open, two open lines right now. If you'd like to call 888-256-1080. Kelly just told you that number, didn't he? 888-256-1080. Start out with James. James is in Turner. Where is Turner, James? I'm in Hearn, Texas. H-E-R-A-N-E. Hearn, Texas. Oh, Hearn. Okay, I know Hearn very well. No problem at all. You know, Brian I wish you could I know it very well. Played, played football there. You bet. I, I, I yes, sir. Try to me a trespass tree in this big old tub bucket here. Big old round planter. Big one. Yes, sir. I'm going to try to put it in the house. Can I, is it able what to do that? A sassafras. What kind of tree? A sassafras tree. What? Oh, sassafras. Um, mm-hmm. that's a good question. Oh, I mean, they need seeds or, or seedling, uh, the other one or one about two, two or three foot tall. I just want. Okay. I, I'll, let me try to help you. First of all, sassafras is going to require an acidic soil. So you're going to have to grow it in a lot of organic matter, peat moss and bark and, and such. And okay. uh, it's going to take an, it's going to take an awfully large container, so I don't know that I want to encourage you to do it, but, but you know, if you're going to do it, put it in a large container, probably yeah, four feet by four feet or bigger. It's going to be a oh, big, man. big, big pot. And um, uh, I haven't I haven't tried to grow sassafras. I've never lived in an acidic soil. I grew up in College Station, and it wasn't acidic enough to grow the East Texas plants. It is an East Texas plant. Um, well, we're so right you're gonna it grows around here though. All right. Well, if it'll grow around there for you, then then go for it, and that means your water is going to be good for it. And I I think you'll be fine. I'd keep it out of the afternoon sun. Give it morning sun, afternoon shade. Okay, Toki. All right. Uh, also, I'm gonna try to open some plants and uh, uh, in the housing projects here in Hunter, and you can't grow no outside food. In, 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 in your soil because of the pesticides they put out. And uh, I'm just wondering, also, how I start in a small little garden in my house, like with tomatoes, greens, and whatnot. Okay, you're not talking about inside your house, you're talking about out on a patio or yeah, something? Inside, inside or outside, either one. Yeah, you can't or do it inside. You don't have no sunlight. Bring it in out. You know what I'm saying? I got to put I'm, that I'm, food, what I could grow here for to eat, I got to put it in a container to grow. Yeah, you'll have to do it in containers and you'll have to do it outside. Uh, they don't get enough sunlight indoors. Uh, for tomatoes, you'd want to plant them in Hearn. You'd have to plant them 
about the 5th or 10th of March at the latest so that you can get them up and growing and mature uh, before it turns hot. It's way too late now. Uh, needing 10 gallon pots. 10 gallon. You, you have to go big because they'll get tall and they'll dry out too fast. But they can certainly be grown in pots. They can. They you can put marigolds well around them too, can't you? You put marigolds no, in the same pot? No, 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 no. You don't want marigolds around them. That's just a, a joke. Marigolds, uh, if, if they did help, hear me on this very carefully. If they did help repel nematodes, you're not going to get nematodes in a pot. And they will suck spider mites, the tomatoes. They will suck them right to the tomatoes. Marigolds, uh, uh, spider mites love marigolds. They love tomatoes. You will ruin your tomatoes yeah. with marigolds if you put them in a pot. No. Just put the okay, tomatoes in the pots. Nothing but the tomatoes. I'm glad you asked that one. Yeah. Stay with yeah. small varieties. Stay with stay with varieties that have small fruit. Don't go to the big varieties like Big Boy and Beefsteak. Stay away from those like they were the plague. They will not set fruit for you. Go with anything from tennis ball size down. The, the smaller you, you can use, the better they'll produce for you. What year did you graduate A&M? I mean, start A&M? I, I, I did not graduate from A&M. I transferred to Ohio State. I would have been in the class of 66, but I graduated from Ohio State in 1965. Okay, thank you. I, I worked for A&M. Yeah, I worked for A&M for seven years. I came back and worked for A&M for seven years. It's a great yeah. school. When I was at A and M, we only had three. Only had three in my department. Ohio State, two hundred forty-two. That's why I transferred. Yeah. Anyway, hey, have a great day. Thanks for the call, James. I appreciate it very much. Right. And in truth, uh, in, in yeah, truth in uh, in and uh, and transparency and everything. I did not play football. I was the manager of the football team. I uh, I have no athletic ability. I was a gardener, heck, <laughs> but I was out there. I scored two points in basketball, and it was a desperation before I hit the wall on the end line. <laughs> I'd love to see video of that shot. The uh, math teacher I told you about before, when he was in, uh, he was the junior high uh, uh, coach. I got to speak at his funeral. He was a dear friend, and uh, he kidded me till the end about my one shot, my two points in basketball. <laughs> it was terrible. Let me go to Charles and Bowie. Charles, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. I was yes, sir. I've been asparagus plants to, to set out, and I can't find any in nurseries. But I was wondering, they have them here in, in, in these markets, in, you know, in the food store. They're in bundles. Would, would that, could I get by them and plant them? Would they, would they work? Yeah, what you want to do is buy them in January. You don't plant asparagus in April. You plant asparagus in January. You okay, go well, a really good. Yeah, it's planted while yeah. it's completely dormant. The only place you plant asparagus in April is in northern Minnesota when the ground finally thaws. Okay. I'm serious. I'm All serious. Right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you'd be wasting your money to buy it that that way now. So, but yeah. yes, you can. Well, you can plant, you. And and you ought to do pretty well. You bet. Thanks for the call. All right, we'll come back and go to Tom and Brenham and to David and Brian. And uh, so you guys hang on. And anybody would like to call, we have the two open lines now. This is the way this program is supposed to work. 888-256-1080. Give me a call. 
888-256-1080. have a new uh, uh, product out of the Fertilome line that I'm advertising for the first time right now. Let me get everything queued up here and, and do my best job for them. Don't beat around the bush when it comes to fertilizing your trees and shrubs. They need at least two feedings per year, once in the fall, once about now in the spring. This is the time to apply Fertilome Tree and Shrub Food. Fertilome Tree and Shrub Food contains 19.8.10 fertilizer analysis and five minor elements. This unique formulation creates a penetrating action that does the rest of the work for you by moving the fertilizer down from the drip line into the feeder roots. That means no need for digging holes or poking holes, and that's good news for you. This tree and shrub food is formulated for all types of trees and shrubs, including shade trees, fruit trees, nut trees, evergreens, if you have citrus, even tropical trees. That uh, will pick up those of you in South Texas. One of the great things about the makers of Fertilome, in fact, one of the greatest things, is that they are dedicated to supporting local retailers. They worry about local retailers, not the big national chain stores, local retailers. All of their products, including tree and shrub food, can only be found at independently owned garden centers and feed stores and independently owned hardware stores. To find your closest dealer, go to Fertilome.com and click on Find a Dealer. Package in the green bag Fertilome tree and shrub food. Get your trees and shrubs off to a good start. Always ask for Fertilome products by name at your independent retail garden center. Fertilome tree and shrub food. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. And we're ready to go back to the phone lines. We still have those same two lines open. My mention didn't do me a bit of good before the break, so let's do it after the break, see if that helps. It's 888-256-1080. Call right now, 888-256-1080. We go to Tom in Brenham. Tom, this is Eel. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've got three peach trees, and uh, they bloom like crazy last year and this year, but no fruit. Uh, do we not have enough chill hours or something? Well, what variety do you have? I can't remember. I got them at a local uh, uh, gardening store. All right. You're going to have to know the, uh, the variety to know if you had enough chilling hours. Uh, for example, uh, if you happen to pick up one, uh, I'll just give you examples, just as, as random examples. If you happen to pick up one of the low-chill uh, uh, peaches, they might have tried to bud and even bloom in January uh, if they had enough hours by, I would just say, the 10th of January, and they could have gotten caught by a late, uh, a mid-season freeze. Uh, they might be varieties that are intended to be grown way south of you even. You're pretty far south. Um, if you got one of the northern varieties, they could be a high-chill variety that needs a thousand hours of chilling and never should be sold in Washington County, and they never would get enough hours. Uh, so you, you wouldn't blame a, a warm winter on them as a, an average winter wouldn't be adequate for them. So yeah. you have to know what variety you have and what its hours would be. I think I Could just there be any other cause? Obvious, didn't I? Yeah, well, could there be any other cause? Yeah, but there could be, but, but we have to know if they bloomed, and you said they didn't even try to bloom, right? No, they bloomed like crazy. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. I missed that. I'm sorry. Yeah. But they bloomed, and was there a was there a subsequent freeze after they bloomed? Ever? Uh, yeah, it looked like it was going to set, and then nothing. It all fell off. No, that. But here's my question: After they bloomed, did you have uh -huh. any? 33, 34 degree night, or especially 32 degree night after that point? I don't think so, but I may have. I didn't pay attention. Yeah, you have to, because if you have a, a freeze, then at that point, all the peach growers get very nervous, and that's when they start worrying about their, their fruit crop. Um, it would have to be a hard, it'd have to be a 32 degree night. I don't think 34 or 5 would, would uh, get them, but, but that's one possibility. Another possibility would be that you did not have good bee activity. That's increasingly a concern to us as the bee population has declined. Uh -huh. And also we, we don't have good uh, hives in, in areas sometimes. So that's a possibility. Um, uh, hopefully you had a couple of varieties blooming at the same time. So you get cross pollination. That's important. Yeah. I had three different um, varieties. Varieties. Okay, that's trees. good. That's good. And they all bloomed at the same time. Yep. Okay, so we rule that one out. Um, I well, if if they all bloomed, then the the chilling hours were met. So oh, okay. That's where I got off track. Yeah. When you mentioned that, I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming me for for not uh, going the right direction initially. But. If they bloom, then you've had enough chilling hours. Then you have to worry about, oh, golly, I hope it's uh, not too early. Uh, they seem to be blooming early. Uh, they'll never bloom too late. If you have them blooming, gosh, I wish they'd bloomed about two weeks earlier. Don't worry about that because at least they're not going to freeze. That's that's good news. Yeah. Um, so I think the pollination aspect is one thing. When they're in bloom next time around, Tom, pay attention during the day on a on a clear, nice day. To how much bee activity you have, even if it's windy, the bees should be around the the flowers. If you're not, seeing I just bees, don't see very many. Clear. Yeah, this well, is in town. That's, I just don't see very yeah. many. Well, you should have them in town because they'll be taking, uh, they'll be pollinating a lot of other plants uh, unrelated to the the uh, peaches. But if you aren't, then there's your there's your clue. Okay. And I don't know what you're going to do. You know, there's nothing you can do that. <laughs> They are the attractant. Okay. You, nothing you can put out there to say, "Hey, bees, come on over here," because the the trees yeah. should be doing that. But um, that's that's. I, I'm not a an entomologist. I'm not a bee expert, but I know that people who have hives travel across America with their hives and and do pollination and 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 uh, it's a real industry because they're needed. They're so important. Yeah. But that's best I got. I'll bet you're okay. on the track right there. All righty. Good luck with them. Thank you. Thanks for the call very much. Thank Bye. you. All right. We'll go to David and Brian. Let me give the phone number again. We're going to need some more calls, folks. Let me just be honest with you. Let's have some more calls. You were great calling in the first time. Let's do it a second time. 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080. Where's Alpine today? We've had the Bryan College Station area pretty well represent. Nothing much from East Texas and uh, no Amarillo or... or whatever. 888-256-1080. David, this is Neil. Good morning. How can I help you this morning? Yes, sir. Mr. Sperry, this is David. I, uh, I got a question about, uh, well, I'll tell you what, for your prior caller asking about the bees, tell him to hang up a few, um, hummingbird feeders. They 
have a tendency to attract all the bees they, you want. Yeah, but they get stuck in them. Oh, goodness, don't they, though? Yeah, you're right. But you're in, right. Anyhow, my question was, I know a few weeks ago, a friend of mine told me, I didn't have an opportunity to listen to your show, but a friend of mine told me you're talking about something your mother told you to do is put mineral oil on the corn silks to stop yep. the uh, worms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got one of your books, which my wife said I didn't need the book. She said, you can find everything online. I said, I don't want it online. I want to look in a book. But anyhow, um, it it said in there, you know, when your silks are mature. Now, I understand once, they, once they're mature, are you talking about when they turn actually brown? That's when yeah, you should they begin apply to brown. It? Yeah, five or six days after they, uh, after they emerge. And they'll begin to brown, and that's the time to put the uh, mineral oil on. Okay. Now, the reason I'm asking that, because isn't each silk is is basically a corn, uh, a kernel of corn, right? Kernel. Correct. So when you get it pollination, hit it, it's got to pollinate each one of the silks in order for the worm, um, for the, uh, corn to actually mature very well fill out real good correct so so that was that was my reason uh, for calling is to ask that question and sort of clarify it because if you know if somebody puts it on a little too early uh then then will it not pollinate because it's covered with uh mineral oil the uh you're trying to keep the worms from getting into the ear uh, inside the shucks, and that's unrelated to the pollination. You're not putting it out on the ends of the silks. I mean, if you're putting it on at the time that the silks are emerging and getting on the ends, that would really shut stuff down, I would imagine. But yeah, yeah, if, okay, if that's, that's what I wanted to sort of clarify. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've okay. got to let the silks get completely out, and then I don't think it matters if it's the fourth day or the fifth day, it's, it, but you want to wait till they start to turn brown. And I think if uh, you might want to look at, uh, you might want to, uh, I don't want, I don't want to suggest you go online, but if you were to go online and add the word university on, on a corn earworm, uh, mineral oil, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think they are also recommending adding in with that, uh, bacillus thuringiensis. It is just so good okay. as organic control for for caterpillars for for worms looping worms. Oh yeah, and I'm, so. I've got I've got several several pints of that. I just bought the other day yeah. because I, I I well actually I'm over at North Zulch where my farm is and I raise about uh, approximately a acre and a half two acre garden and uh, yeah I have had issues with with worms and I know the tomato hornworms I noticed the other day. Um, some very small ones. So I immediately went and bought some of that. Um, but check I know me that, on this uh, one, but I check me on this one, but I believe the corn earworm and tomato, uh, fruit worm, I'm sorry, fruit worm, not horn, fruit worm and cotton bollworm are all the same insect. I believe, I think it's just manifests differently on the three different plants. I, I uh, could okay. be wrong. Again, I say I'm not a, not an entomologist, uh, Right, trying to right. be a decent horticulturist, but I believe I believe that's the same insect. You talk about an insect that has quite a quite a, a bad reputation. Yeah, I know. I know. Last year, I didn't. You know, and a lot of people around our area they didn't do very well at all with their gardens. 
year before, I brought home over 850 pounds of tomatoes, which we can. Oh, my goodness. We, we oh, definitely I'll can. And That's I uh, probably gave away that many out here to neighbors. So, but anyhow, the oh, uh, <clears throat> that was a sort. You clarified it for me. So wait until the uh, tassels, just sort of the silk, sort of turns brown, and I've got a window there to deal with. To and it's just going to suffocate the eggs that the moth lays. Uh, so the okay, I got you. I got you. You're on track. All right. Well, all right. All right. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, you have a great one. I will. Thanks for the call. That was good. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Bye. All right, folks. Thank you. All right, I'm going to take a break, and folks need some calls. Don't know any other way to phrase it. I need some calls. 888-256-1080. It's not lunchtime yet. 888-256-1080. If you have a garden question you've been intending to ask we had full phone lines 15 minutes ago i dutifully answered those questions made room and now now we have open phone lines so uh, well there comes a call in but anyway 888-256-1080 neil sperry's lone star gardening is my book that's the book that was referenced um and when i started it was going to be about 200 pages carolyn sky uh, was my editor a very dear friend got a text from her this morning in fact going to reply after uh, after i get off the air and cindy smith is a, a graphic designer and i'll be sending cindy a note as well uh, about something else she's been helping on another project these are these are two just absolutely brilliant ladies who helped me put this book together with uh, 344 pages i kind of missed on that 200 page uh, goal uh, 840 of my best photographs. That's the reason we went kind of over. Um, but I wanted the book to be the the book I always had dreamed of when I did the Complete Guide to Texas Gardening. This is more complete than the Complete Guide to Texas Gardening. You know, what are you going to call it? Well, I just called it Lone Star Gardening to keep the name completely separate. This one has, instead of the cowboy boots, this one has an Adirondack chair on the cover. And uh, that's uh, in our yard. And that's the way you can tell them apart. Another way you can tell it apart is if you're in a bookstore and you see a book, that isn't this one. That's the old one. And that's not the one you want. Check the copyright date. That one will say 1992. And uh, uh, that's uh, that's the old one. This book is a quarter century newer. It has It is totally up to date. It has the information you really want. 344 pages, as I say, 840 of my photographs, 11 chapters. They cover every aspect of lawns, trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, uh, fruit and flower and, and vegetable gardening. The whole works. It's all in here. And uh, chapter two is a 48-page calendar in words, not a grid, but in, in words telling you when you need to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all of your plants. And it's written for every county in the great state of Texas. For a limited time, I've reduced the price to just $36.95 to help in these economic times. It's going to help me as well. I need to, need to get some cash flow going. And uh, I'll be very honest, it's tough on everybody right now. So if you'd like to take advantage of that great sale, here are the two ways you can. It's not in stores and not on Amazon. You call my office weekdays, 9 until 5, at 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. But the better way is to order it right now 
And that's from my website at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. We go back to the phone lines. We have all full phone lines now. Feast and famine and now feast again. Steve and Brian, good morning. How can I help you? Thank you for taking my call, sir. I have a yes, uh, hickory I have a hickory nut tree in my backyard. It's the only tree in my yard that has not leafed out completely. The bottom half of the tree has runners and leaves, but the top half is still barren. The tree is probably at least 30 feet tall. What should I look for? Well, uh, how did it look this time? Well, not this time last year, but maybe last uh, uh, September, August or September. It looked normal. It just like it always did. It had leaves all year, and then it uh, they fall when it gets cold. It had no. I understand that. Did it have a full complement of leaves, top to bottom, or was it beginning to get sparse on the top half? Uh, the top half probably did not have. It was probably sparse, like you're you're mentioning. All right, then probably what's happened, Steve. There's there's something going wrong at that point. There's an interface there. I don't know what that might be. Um, I will give you an absurd example, uh, and, and this is, there's no way this is what your tree is facing, but I grew up in College Station, and when I was a very young kid, I tied a pinwheel, just an old children's pinwheel, up in, uh, not in the top of a cottonwood tree, but fairly high up in a cottonwood tree, and thought nothing of the fact that I had wrapped the trunk of the tree with a little piece of wire to hold that thing up in the tree. I thought it was cool to look at it. I was probably... Uh, seven or eight years old. My dad didn't see that. And that thing stayed there for a while until the tree grew around the wire and it girdled it and knocked the top out of the tree. My dad co-founded the range and forestry department at A&M. He knew trees very well. And he, I never saw my dad angry. That might be as close as I ever came. <laughs> and so, you know, that sort of thing, if, if you had any kind of insect damage at that point up on the trunk or any kind of uh, maybe decay uh, because there was a small branch that broke and didn't heal properly or something, I think you're going to find there's something going on right at that point. Probably not wise for you to go up there looking around. You probably need to have a skilled certified arborist who is used to climbing on trees that are challenged go up. Uh, I, you know, maybe... Maybe it's safe for you to go up on the ladder, but probably not. But uh, that's probably where the, the challenge is. Um, if it hasn't leafed out now and the rest of the tree is growing vigorously, then that's not a good sign for that part of the tree. The tree will probably fill in around it, but you may have to do a lot of serious pruning to reshape the, the green part of the tree so it's not obviously had the talk knock knocked knocked out of it like a tornado hit it or something so well there's there's been a wood answer then go ahead there's been a wood there's been a woodpecker in the area but he's on the telephone pole net about 15 feet from the tree could that be part of the problem if he's gotten on the tree it normally would not be they normally don't do that much damage on a given tree in a given spot but i have seen it happen and that is a possibility 
you can't do anything to harm him. That's against the law. But but you could stand off to the side with binoculars and look to see if you see just riddled bark from going around and around and around. I lost a, a small Nellie R. Stevens holly, tree form holly, to a woodpecker that did that. Just went around and around at one spot. And my tree form holly is coming. I was looking at it this morning. It's coming back as a lovely shrub, but it doesn't have the tree trunk anymore. But yes, that could be. I don't know that it would be, but it could be. That's as close okay, as I well, can get without seeing it. Okay. Well, I'll look anyway, for that. I don't yeah. think he's. I don't yeah. think he's been on the tree. I think he's been on that telephone pole. But you know, I don't know for sure. Sure. Well, I hope. I hope I helped. Good luck with it. Thanks for the call. Let me go to Alan in Montgomery down the highway a little bit there. Alan, this is Neil. Good morning. How can I help you? Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I have uh, yes, about 25 pecan trees. I've owned them for plus 10 years. I've never done anything with them. They actually produce some pecans, but they're they're in need of some care. And I'm just curious as to what I should and how I should fertilize them. Should I prune them? Is it too late to prune them this year? And you know, what would you do? Uh, if they were mine, I would do whatever pruning I needed to do now to, to get rid of any broken branches. I might wait until summer, but I'd get rid of any broken branches, uh, any just obviously uh, horribly unneeded branches, uh, any kind of damage. But then major pruning I'd probably do during the wintertime when I could see through them better. Uh, yes, on fertilizing, but it's kind of late to begin that process for this year, and it's certainly too late to begin a spray program. This gives you a lot of time, however, to look through the Texas A&M University information on pecans. Uh, if you go to Aggie Horticulture and uh, look up uh, uh, pecan information, you'll find some really good fact sheets and bulletins. I need to get my last break in, but you'll find a lot of good stuff. And then the Pecan Growers Short Course comes up at A&M in the wintertime, so that would be good to go to. So I need to get okay. my last break in, Alan, but that's a, that's a good start for you. Thank you. All right, folks, we'll come back. I have Karen and Glenn. We're going to help them as well. eGardens is my free electronic newsletter. If you go to my website, neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, click on the eGardens tab. You will see it. That's where you sign up for it. I hope you'll join us, eGardens. Let me tell you about Mueller right now. For what you are paying in yearly costs for a rental storage room somewhere down the street, you could own your own Mueller metal storage building right there in your own backyard. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble with bolt-together design, and they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing money away by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose. And they add style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller metal building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. See all of your options at MuellerInc.com. Or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER to find a location near you. That's 877-268-3553. They are Mueller. They are made in America. And they're made to last. I'll have more after this. All right, Kelly, we go to Karen in College Station. Karen, I have about a minute. How can I help you? Yes, 
sir. I have two Great Danes, and we currently have St. Augustine grass in our backyard, and it's obviously dying. So I was wondering, what is the best grass to use in a high-traffic area with very little shade? With very little shade than uh, common Bermuda grass, and it is called common. When you buy sod, you would just say, I want common Bermuda. That okay. would be what I would recommend for you. It it will hold up. The, that's what's commonly used on uh, just average uh, football fields, etc. That would hold up to the dog is the best. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You, you are welcome. Thanks for the call. Jared, thank you. Happy gardening.